Hello, my rebels. I've got a, a funny, shouty, tragic, weepy, drunk story for you today. And you know that I could only be, t- when I say the word drunk, you're thinking, well, that's Seamus O'Regan. No, I'm talking about Catherine McKenna, the environment minister who has had a terrible week. She was in a Newfoundland bar drinking and she thought she would do some drunk tweeting. Don't do that. If you're drunk, don't do, don't drunk dial an X. Don't do it. Don't do it. You may be lonely. Don't do it. And don't drunk tweet from a bar. Don't do it. She did it. But she topped that. She went further. That's what my show's about today. Hey, um, before I get out of the way, can you do me a favor and go to the rebel.media slash shows and become a premium member? I know I ask you every time. It's eight bucks a month or 80 bucks for the year. You get the video. You gotta see today's videos. I show you videos of ships. I show you videos of foreign presidents. I show you videos of a shouty, drunken sorority girl named Climate Barbie. You gotta see the videos. And to do that, you gotta be a premium subscriber. Go to the rebel.media slash shows, become a premium subscriber and see the video version of it. All right, here's today's episode. Tonight, Catherine McKenna's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. It's May 31st, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. It's been a tough go lately for Catherine McKenna, Canada's shouty minister of, and this makes me laugh, she's the minister of environment and climate change, or as she says with a straight face, she's the minister in charge of the weather. This is what she tweeted once. It's just, it's starting to snow just in time for the parade as the minister responsible for weather. I'm either a hero or a zero. Depends how you feel about winter. Imagine the vanity, the narcissism, the detachment from reality. Imagine the enablers around her. Imagine her echo chamber. Imagine the bizarre world in which she lives. If she actually believes that she's in charge of the weather, that she's responsible for the weather, and that people treat her as they should based on what they think of the weather because she's the one who, you know, ministered it. So she's responsible for it. Imagine thinking that. Imagine saying that. Imagine having a staff of 21, 24 people, excuse me, who work on her Twitter communications, 24, and not one of them said, um, boss, uh, sorry to, you know, be a fly in the ointment, but mm, that tweet's a little bit off. It's a little bit centered. It's a little bit, how do we say it? A little bit unscientist, a little bit, a little bit, you know, crazy. Not one of them said that. This is a picture of the equally hapless gender quota cabinet minister, Christia Freeland, with her crack team of Christia's angels, who got absolutely taken to the cleaners in the NAFTA negotiations with Trump. Look at them. Not one of them has even negotiated a house purchase in their life, let alone negotiating the largest trade deal in our history. They got smoked. Now, I haven't seen a picture of McKenna's team of know-nothings. I'm sure they look like that, but with a little bit more hemp and open-toed sandals and lots of soy milk and, and, and just sort of bongs and stuff. Just a quick note about Freeland. 
before I get back to McKenna. Did you hear what U.S. Vice President Mike Pence said when he visited Canada yesterday? Here, take a listen. As talks progressed, and we talked in Lima, Peru, during the Summit of the Americas last year, uh, I saw your determination. Uh, your determination to drive a hard bargain for Canada, just as President Trump was driving a hard bargain for the United States of America. Yeah. You know, that's what the winner of any negotiation says to a loser. It's a winner of any, you know, the winner of any game says to the loser, you sure played well. I mean, not well enough to beat me. That's what you say to make someone feel better. You know, when I, when I was a student, I was just thinking of this. I was... You know, 25 years ago, I was flipping through the TV channels, and, and for a moment, I just stopped on a little documentary on Oprah Winfrey. And, and for some reason, a part of it always stuck with me. I don't really care about Oprah, but this part. She was telling the story of how it was time to renew her contract. She was just an employee of some media company. And she said that she was visiting the company office, and three different people in the same visit complimented her on how good her lawyer was. As in... The people she was negotiating against, the people she was supposed to be, you know, taken to the cleaners, they all told her how much they liked her lawyer, how much they liked her agent. So she knew she had to fire her agent because if someone is complimenting your agent, that's a way of saying you're being taken for a ride. That's what Mike Pence just did to Canada. Hey guys, you know, Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland and her crack team of Christian's angels, they're very, very good negotiators. Boy, did you guys ever take Donald Trump, the lifelong property developer and financier in Manhattan, perhaps the most vicious industry in America? Boy, did your team of millennials ever tune him up, <laughs> you guys. Don't ever switch away from Trudeau and Freeland. No, no, you guys, you Canadians want to keep them. Take it from me and Donald Trump. Yeah, McKenna is the same way, but on the global warming file. If you listen to her rationale of why we need a carbon tax, if you actually listen to it, and unfortunately I do, she often says it's, it's not going to achieve anything other than to set an example for other countries. An example. As in, maybe if we tax our own people enough and shut down our own industries and make Canada uncompetitive, that maybe Donald Trump's America or Xi Jinping's China will say, hey, those Canadians are being such good sports, pricing themselves out of the market, shutting down their industries. Let's do the same. My God, we're run by a group of suckers, aren't we? Anyway, back to McKenna and her terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. She's had a tough COVID lately as voters in province after province have kicked out governments that supported Trudeau's carbon tax and have voted in governments that vigorously oppose that carbon tax. The latest, of course, being Jason Kenney in Alberta, but Doug Ford before that in a big one. And even the Atlantic provinces, they hate carbon taxes so much that they break out of their eternal liberal rut to vote conservative, which they rarely do. I think you can see the stress of it in McCann. A couple months ago, when the carbon tax court battle started heating up, the lawsuits by the provinces were piling up, and Trudeau's own mask slipped, revealing himself to be a user and abuser of women, especially Aboriginal women, like Jody Wilson-Raybould, and the whole Sunny Ways mask slipped. Trudeau ha himself had a desperate, manic, like this is manic, rally to show the troops. He was still in command. Trudeau himself looked un. Hinged. Remember this? Great to see you all! How you all do? 
liberals in the house? Let's hear it first off for two amazing leaders in our caucus, Julie DeBruce and Catherine McKenna. Holy cow. I think that's what cocaine looks like. Is that ever uncomfortable? Well, at that same manic rally, as you know, Catherine McKenna just cracked. Remember this? So let's talk about climate change for a second. Who believes it's real? Who believes in science? We got a report last year that said we have 12 years to take serious climate action. We are all in this together. We need to act. And just remember last year. Who remembers last summer? Who remembers the extreme heat that we felt last summer? Who remembers that people literally died of extreme heat? I've called people, I've called mothers in, in British Columbia where there were forest fires. Remember those forest fires? And guess what? They were scared for their kids to go outside because the air quality was so bad. <laughs> she was claiming that naturally occurring fires and fires started by arson were because of the global warming ferry. Yeah, no, but it's her safe place. Just like Trudeau goes to his safe place, his message track, when he's stressed out, who is a liberal? I'm at a liberal rally. Are there any, like that grin, are there any liberals here at the liberal rally? Yeah, boss, we're actually all liberals here at the liberal rally. He just, that, that that's not even a grin. That's like, am I smiling naturally? I'm fine. That's what he looked like. Can we play that clip one more time? That was so insane. That is anyone here a liberal? Great to see you all. How are you all doing tonight? Are there any liberals in the house? Let's hear it first off for two amazing leaders in our caucus, Julie DeBruce and Catherine McKenna. I, you know what? I mean, just get that guy a tranquilizer, bring him down. He's just flying too high. But he goes to a safe place. He just says goofy things when he's under extreme stress. Like, remember those Aboriginal protesters from Grassy Narrows when they crashed a fancy, like, $1,600 ahead? cocktail reception he had in Toronto. He just put on that same rictus grin, that fake grin. I'm really smiling, you guys. And he went to his happy place. Um, thank you for your donation. Thank you for your donation. That's just, he started saying it, remember that? Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate the uh, donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. And, and as we know, the Liberal Party is filled with different perspectives and different opinions, and we respect them all, and our commitment to reconciliation continues to be strong and committed, and we will continue to engage. Thank you, sir, for your donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you for being here. That is why we are moving forward on reconciliation in a real and tangible way. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for highlighting how important reconciliation is. 
Thank you for being here tonight, sir. Thank you very much for your donation to the Liberal Party. Hmm. Uh, now, at least Trudeau was not screaming there. He, he managed to bring himself under control a bit more, but not McKenna. She still shouts in, in question period. I think she just went nuts the other day. Remember this? party opposite you're worried about that you're worried about costs you should be worried about the cost that we are passing on to our kids the cost of climate change yeah. we have got an emergency here and the party opposite is not telling the truth to canadians we are paying we've gone from 400 billion dollars a year to over 2 billion to 400 million to 2 billion because of the cost of climate change why don't they step up why don't they step up for climate action why don't step up for the economy the future and stop misleading canadians can I show you something? Can I, can I show you that same clip now? Um, the same answer, but with the sound off? No sound. Just look at the scowl. Look at the rage. Look at the stress. Look at the finger pointing. Look at the haranguing. Without the sound, that's what the world sees. Angry, shrill, nagging, shouting. The opposite of sunny ways. A little bit manic. A little bit desperate. A little bit stressed. Um, the opposite of the word appealing. The liberals are behind in the polls. Her party's going to lose office if this keeps up. Donald Trump laughs at the whole global warming nonsense. He, he, he's drilling and pumping and mining energy, even coal. He loves saying fossil fuels. He's got placards that say Trump digs coal for heaven's sakes. He mocks the UN, it's great. So no one is hanging out with Catherine McKenna and Trudeau and their global warming delusions, except other exceedingly unpopular globalists like Emmanuel Macron at France, who is at about 23% in the polls, and he has street riots against the carbon tax called the Yellow Vests. Everything's going wrong for Catherine McKenna. Maybe that's when you slow down a bit, you have fewer cycles, you just do less and you calm down and you step away from the Twitter machine a bit. But, but nope. Did you see this? We, we, we showed you this the other day. She went to a bar and she got drunk and she started shouting and she admitted she just shouts and repeats things because she thinks people will believe her if she shouts and repeats things enough. Christian's pub in St. John's and you won't believe who I have here Mark Critch here and I've got Chef Mookie um, and I got screeched in so really amazing but the funny thing is so you think like it's amazing you got screeched in you hear all these facts about Newfoundland and what the hell are they doing now they're fighting about the facts about Newfoundland and do they really get them right so what's the discussion now boys what we were talking about is St. John's the oldest city in North America and uh, there's some debate about that. He was saying that it could be uh, Missouri, but we firmly believe it is because there's nobody from Missouri here. But you know, I actually gave him some real advice. I said that if you actually say it louder, we've learned in the House of Commons, if you repeat it, if you say it louder, if that is your talking point, people will totally believe it. Yeah, that's pretty bad. You're not a 19-year-old sorority girl anymore. I mean, the drunk part alone, don't do that. I, I mean, you're, you're, you're closing in on 50. Go to a bar, sure, have a drink, 
I mean, sure, get a little tipsy, whatever, as long as someone's there to make sure you get home okay. But to have a video team with you, to have your videographer there, to film you getting drunk, to edit the video and make it a public broadcast on purpose, and to leave in the obvious drunkenness and that weird confession about how she just yells fake news till people buy it, that is weird. And again, no one in her 24-person communication staff had the courage to say, um, don't. Well, that video was trounced online. Oh, my God. Editorials were written about it in paper newspapers. That's how bad it was. It was proof, that little confession there, that the government's not only unserious and that McKenna is unserious, but that even they don't believe their own lines. They just shout it till other people do. It's, it's showing that there's no there there. They know it's fake, that we all knew it's fake. Anyone who jet sets around the world full time obviously doesn't believe energy use is a problem. They're just, saying, they're just saying it's a problem for reasons like taxing people or destroying an entire industry in the conservative part of the country or whatever. So she deleted that video. I noticed that she recorded it with Mark Critch, the top liberal at the CBC government comedy show called 22 Minutes. You could sort of see him cringe when she was all shouty and sweary. He took the energy down, tried to really calm things down, didn't help. Anyways, CBC obviously helped make this problem by going and taking her out to drink. So the CBC sort of helped fix it, I guess. But it was really bad judgment, really weird. So the CBC, they helped fix this meltdown. They ran another interview with McKenna. But, but in French, for some, some reason, on French CBC, to help her mop up that mess that she made in English. I don't even get that. Anyways, watch this that appeared on CBC French. La ministre de l'Environnement est une cible de choix ces jours-ci. I recommend pulling one plastic bag over your head and tying it around your neck. Couldn't put a value on that. Mais alors c'est horrible. C'est pas seulement horrible pour moi, parce que moi j'ai des enfants, j'ai trois enfants. S'ils voyaient ça... I called Catherine McKenna climate Barbie. Les militants de la droite l'avaient déjà surnommée la Barbie du climat. Les attaques se sont intensifiées en plein débat sur la tarification du carbone. Il y a des gens qui détestent vraiment l'action sur les changements climatiques, mais aussi ils détestent les femmes. Alors ça vient, c'est vraiment étrange, mais il y a une connexion. So in case you didn't understand that, Manic McKenna was replaced by almost crying, depressed McKenna because she found a tweet somewhere on the internet that was mean to her. I mean, there must be millions of tweets and comments about every Canadian politician. The key is to, you know, be a grown up and ignore them or if you really want to rebut them or, you know, how about just do some real work instead of being on Twitter? But she went on the CBC to tearfully say it's it's hate and it's a it's a threat to her. She she loves being a tough woman who can compete with the guys. But when it actually gets tough, she plays the I'm a little girl card. Stop being mean to me. I mean, you wouldn't be mean to a to a girl, would you? Some sort of, just a girl. Margaret Thatcher and Dira Gandhi. Golda Meir, they would never do Benazir Bhutto, Corazon Aquino. Think of the great women leaders in really tough places. They would never do that. But McKenna, 
does. That fake crime and saying that our own Sheila Gunn Reed, you recognize Sheila there, must be um, sexist. Yeah, because Sheila came up with the nickname Climate Barbie. So pitiful and lame. So that's been the really, really bad week for Catherine McKenna. But the week, well, it's not quite over, is it? It's still Friday, still Friday night, right? So technically, the week's not over yet. So how, how would the master communicator, Catherine McKenna, how would the master strategist top all that? How do you top a drunk sorority video in a pub? How do you top that rant about shouting fake news till people believe it? How do you top the stop being mean to me because I'm just a girl video? How do you top that? Well, you got to bring in the big guns. You need maybe even some help from a foreign country. How about the Philippines? Some background. Canada's recycling is mainly fake, of course. Most recycling is just dumped in the landfill or burned. It's just busy work for virtue signalers and, and to keep in government workers busy. Only metal makes sense to recycle from a net energy use or a net resources point of view. It's more harmful to the environment from a resources or energy point of view to try to recycle plastic or paper than it is just to throw it out. As in, it takes more resources, it takes more energy to recycle those things than just to make new ones. So it's actually bad for the environment if you care about those sorts of things. That's why Canada doesn't actually recycle, for example, our plastic. We just ship it to China, which pretends to recycle it, but they just bury it or dump it in the sea. I mean, do you really think that when you sort your garbage into three, four, five bins, I swear I've seen five bin garbage cans, do you really think that they're not just all mixed together and buried? I mean, I mean seriously, do you really think that? Anyways, for some reason, dozens of huge cargo containers of Canadian garbage of the grossest variety. I don't want to gross you out, but including like used adult diapers, sorry to say it, for some reason, in the name of recycling, that was shipped to the Philippines. Why, do we hate them or something? They're great people, why are we being mean to them? And something went wrong, I, I won't get into it, it's not even important, but, but they didn't want our trash, they just didn't want our super gross trash, and it became a really, really, you, I mean, imagine the fermentation. You met, who, whoa, Petri dish. But there's 69 of those huge containers. This became a toxic international diplomatic incident. Here, watch the president of the Philippines, Rodrigo Duterte, express his frustration at great length. Yung basura ng yung basura ng Canada. I want a boat prepared. I'll give uh, a warning to Canada maybe next week that they better uh, pull that thing out or I will set sail doon sa Canada. Ibuhos ko yung basura nila doon. Pangalawa po, Mr. President, ay ang Philhelm why you not in Canada? We'll declare war against them. Kaya man natin yan sila. Eh, sa huli ko talaga yan. Tingnan mo. Ikarga mo yan doon sa barko. Load it the containers to a ship and advise Canada. I will advise Canada that your garbage is on the way. Prepare a grand reception. Eat it if you want to. 65 years, 18 earthquakes, so 
Nawapayag. Kaya, ikarga natin uli yan, pabalik sa kanila. Domingo, prepare your and celebrate because your garbage is coming home. <laughs> now, the headlines were funny. Duterte, you, you heard the word. He said he's declaring a garbage war. He used the word war. He's declaring a garbage war in Canada. Now, the guy next to him was sort of smiling because he's sort of Trump-like that way. But look, from his point of view, we started the garbage war. We shipped our garbage to them. Who does that? Well, we do because we like to pretend that we're super-duper clean and environmental when really we're just outsourcing our worst garbage to the poorest countries of the world, but out of sight, out of mind, right? That Duterte, he's a little bit grumpy and a little bit Trumpy, and there was some banter there, but I think he meant it. He really wanted that stinking, rotting garbage out of his country, and he wanted Trudeau to take it back, and he was frustrated it wasn't coming back. And yes, it's hard to believe, I know you can't even believe it, but Freeland's angels, Christia's angel, bungled that one too. Oh, what's the list now? What are the countries that don't even talk to us anymore? China, India, Saudi Arabia, Philippines, Australia. I mean, is, is, has he not screwed anything up? How can the Philippines de declare garbage war on you? That takes some skill. So finally today, the garbage, 69 huge containers of it, was loaded on a ship to be sent back to Canada. I mean, talk about environmentalism. Ship your garbage to a depot by truck, then ship it to Vancouver by train, then put it on a freighter and sail it to the Philippines, store it for a few months, just so it just ripe. And now do the whole thing again in reverse. Put it back on a ship, sail to Vancouver. I mean, that, that is some well-traveled garbage. That's your modern environmental movement right there. So the Philippines, you could say they won that garbage war, didn't they? Now, their foreign minister, Teddy Loxon Jr., and you got it. Look at his Twitter account, Teddy Boy Loxon. I like the guy already just from his name. He was laughing and mocking us all day, tweeting, bye, look at that, bye-bye, as we say it. He just, I mean, he's a little bit better at Twitter than Catherine McKenna, and he doesn't do drunk sorority girl. I love you, man. I really love you guys. He doesn't do that on Twitter. He doesn't get drunk on Twitter. And you saw Duterte. He was saying that we Canadians can eat the garbage for all he cares. We can welcome it in a celebration, he says. He has disdain for us, not for you and me, but for Trudeau and Christian Freeland and Christian's angels. So he said, prepare your celebration, your garbage coming back. What idiot would want that garbage, right? I mean, what idiot would, would celebrate the arrival of the garbage, like Duterte said? Well, I think I know just the kind of idiot who would. Look at this tweet. This is real. This is real, people. Anchors away! Hey, guys. The containers of garbage have departed the Philippines and will arrive in Canada in four weeks, where the waste will be turned into energy that will power homes in British Columbia. <laughs> oh, my God. She's, she's excited. She's happy. She's boasting. So burning adult diapers is going to 
power our homes in Canada, will it? We're going to turn garbage into energy. Is that really what's going to happen? This weirdo, by the way, is banning ships that would export ethical oil from Canada to Asia, but she is giddy about welcoming ships bringing toxic garbage back to Canada. She's excited. She is what Duterte mocked us for being. He meant it as an insult. She, she is that person. It reminds me when Christy Freeland thought that China mocking Justin Trudeau was like a sign of, of praise. Remember that? We're quite proud the Prime Minister has been given a fond nickname in China. He is called Pudo, which I believe means potato. And he is, I can't say the Chinese word, it's Xian Pudo, little potato, because his father, Pierre Elliott Pudo, was senior potato. So we feel we are off to a great start. We feel we're off to a great start. Nah, no, sister, that wasn't a compliment. I think someone had better just send a memo to Catherine McKenna that when Duterte said you can eat the garbage, he didn't really mean it. Catherine McKenna is the most gap-prone cabinet minister in Ottawa, and my favorite part of it is she just won't stop. Stay with us for more on this lovely lady. You know, what is it that Canadians or these premiers are not hearing here? Because it, it's, it seems to me that, you know, it's not that difficult to all be on the same page about climate. Is it just your methods? Is it your strategy? Is it the way you communicate it? What do you figure it is? Uh, I think as conservative politicians don't understand the science behind climate change, which shows that we need to do more, um, nor do they understand the huge economic opportunity. If you take the case of Alberta, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you have here Jason Kenney saying free to pollute, but at the same time, the same energy companies that he says he wants to defend are saying put a price on pollution because they recognize in Alberta they need to have a serious climate plan if they're going to get the resources to market. Um, and the, the, the economy of the future does doesn't look like the economy of the past, but you've got, you've got Jason Kenney, you've got Doug Ford, and you've got Andrew Scheer, who want to take us back to the time of Stephen Harper. They don't seem to think climate change is a serious threat. And meanwhile, we have forest fires already in Alberta that are, that are you know, a major concern to people's livelihood, to their lives. Well, that's Catherine McKenna uh, with a, um, a tapestry of all of her talking points together in one mishmash like that. That's quite something. But to me, the favorite point was, hey, CTV, there's forest fires already. And Jason Kenney hasn't even repealed the carbon tax yet. It's going to happen in a few hours. The forest fairies are mad. They're, they're lashing out. It's, and, and to say that she is the party of science, oh, my God. God, Catherine McKenna is the gift that keeps on giving. Joining us now from Edmonton to talk about it is our friend Lauren Gunter, senior columnist with the Edmonton Sun. Now, I don't know, maybe I misheard or misinterpreted what she was saying, but I, I felt like she was blaming the annual wildfires of Alberta, which have been going on since time immemorial. I felt yeah. like she was blaming them 
and especially their timing on the fact that Jason Kenney was elected like this is some you know, Tolkien forest where the forests are, where the trees are saying, we must rise up against, you know, it, it felt so pagan. And yet she's yeah. the one invoking science. Well, I, I mean, I won't say you're wrong about that. I, I, I think probably what she's doing is simply regurgitating the, uh, the, the point that, that uh, politicized climate scientists make that the uh, forest fire season is getting earlier and earlier every year because of climate change. It doesn't matter. Both of them are are unscientific. Whether she's she thinks that that Mother Forest is angry with us because we've gotten rid of the carbon tax, or or uh, you know that this is incontrovertible proof yet again of climate change. There's two or three things she said in there that that just make my eyes roll. One is, well, I don't think conservative politicians understand the science. I think they understand it better than she does because she. It's easy to regurgitate the 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 mainstream scientific idea that climate change is already upon us. It's man-made. It's it's irreversible. It's going to be horrible and damaging. It's another thing to try and understand to 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 take out the natural shift in climate Mm -hmm. and climate from from what might be or might not be man-made and how serious is it and what are the things we need. That's that's much better. And I think more conservative politicians understand that because it's not easy to go to a cocktail party mm-hmm. and stand there, you know, swirling your, your Prosecco and say, well, I don't really believe that yeah. the, the climate is. You know, that. So you have to be able to defend that. I think they understand that better. And the other thing that, that, you know, that she said is, well, Jason Kenney has to understand that he needs a climate plan if he's going to get his goods to market. Yeah, what have we been doing the last four years under Rachel Notley and, yeah. and Justin Trudeau? And how is that working out? Yeah. Like, you know, got the, we got the carbon tax. We got the coal shutdown. We have all sorts of new regulations on the environment in Alberta. And every time we conceded, every time we caved in something to the environmentalists, they just upped the stakes. They moved the goalposts. They changed what they was they claimed would satisfy them. So it, this is just horse hockey, yeah. if you if you want that uh, that we we just continue following the same useless path we followed for four years, and somehow it's all going to work out. Yeah. Can I? You just made me think of something because I I just uh, went through what I reg- uh, a bit of a rehearsing or reminding our viewers of how Catherine McKenna has gotten more and more shouty and strident yeah. really in the last three months. Um, I think she's just going back to those same talking points. And as she I don't know if it was jokingly or drunkenly said in the bar in St. John's, yeah. just yeah. keep saying it louder and louder and they'll yeah. finally believe you. I thought that was a you know, um, a, a revealed the truth that um, she wasn't supposed to say. Um, let me t- let me tell you something that I remember because it was so stark to me. And Lauren, you tell me if you remember this too. Uh, when Patrick Brown was defenestrated from the Ontario PC party and Doug Ford ran with a very heavy duty anti-carbon tax campaign platform, and the other candidates sort of felt obliged to match him on that. And so all of a sudden, the unanimity on the issue was gone. I, I was shocked and not sh- I was surprised and fascinated by how upset Gerald Butts, Justin Trudeau's former right-hand man, was at that. He was very upset that the Ontario PCs were no longer 
a party of the carbon tax. And I thought to myself, well, hang on. If you really think uh, that you're right and they are now wrong, you should delight in this. If you really think that the carbon tax is popular, you should delight in this. He was yeah. protesting. Yeah. And here's why. And let me put this theory to you, and I'd like your response to it. When every single fancy person says, oh, yes, of course, the carbon tax, and there's no reasonable alternative politician or journalistic outpost saying, no, no, the carbon tax is terrible, people who yeah. in their bones know it's wrong feel, well, I guess I have to resign myself that it's going to happen because I guess I'm the only one who thinks this way. But in the last 6, 12 months, province after province has come out against it. Jason Kenney is now repealing it. Australia's federal election turned in part over yep. the carbon tax. The anti-carbon tax guys won. And that's what Gerald Butts was afraid of, is that these ridiculous, childish, shallow talking points by Catherine McKenna, they're enough when there's no yep. dissent. But when people say, yeah, I, I don't believe that BS either, yeah, yeah. she just has to yeah, shout yeah. louder. It doesn't that's, work. That, that's why it's so important to the other side on climate change that the science is settled. Yeah. Oh, because no one, no one intelligent would ever possibly disagree. There's no settled science. Mm -hmm. Science is never settled. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and and it, it's certainly not on this issue. I mean, the, the number one climate change site on the Internet in the entire world is called Watts, Watts, W-A-T-T-S, mm -hmm. Watts Up With That. Mm -hmm. It's run by a guy named Andrew Watts, and it has uh, attracted all sorts of uh, terrific scientists who don't agree mm -hmm. and who discuss all the new climate uh, news that comes out. It's well worth finding uh, finding it on the internet. Uh, and, and it will instantly, you spend an hour on that site mm -hmm. and, and you'll understand that there isn't settled science right. on this, that right. the people who say there's settled science have a political objective, right. not a scientific objective, but a political objective. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, if, if we can convince the public that the science is settled, our political side wins mm -hmm. if you are a, a climate change alarmist. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they say over and over and over again that the science is settled and it's not settled. And so it is important that premiers stand up who disagree with the climate, with the carbon tax and and say they disagree with it, even if they do believe largely that the climate change is man-made and it's coming and it's mm -hmm. dangerous. Mm -hmm. They may think that the carbon tax is not the way to deal with it. Yeah. So it's very important that they say that. I, I am I actually take great comfort from the fact that in poll after poll after poll, slightly under half of North Americans are convinced that climate change isn't really a serious problem. Yeah. And after 25 years of continuous propaganda being bashed over the head with this, mm -hmm. they still it still doesn't jive with what they they feel in their bones or what they understand from from their own personal experience. And so I do think that you're quite right. People like Butts want very much to keep this tight lid on because they understand that there's an awful lot of people out there who are quite skeptical. Mm -hmm. And if they, they let the lid off, then their whole consensus, their whole political plan falls down. You, you see this on a bunch of issues. This is why populism 
is a rising force mm -hmm. in Western politics, in North America and in Western Europe, because the elites have for too long insisted on certain consensuses, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which are starting to fall apart. In, 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 in England, it's, it's Brexit. In Western Europe, it's immigration. That, oh, no, 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 no matter how many refugees pour in, flood in, it's just all positive. There's no, you, and if you say it's not positive, you must be a racist. Mm -hmm. And no, there's no, Islamic extremism. If you say so, you're an Islamophobe. If you if you think that there isn't climate change, oh, then you're a denier. On and on and on. There are all of these elite consensuses that are uh, that are slowly starting to irritate ordinary people. Free trade is is is, is all good for working people. Uh, there's an interesting part in Stephen Harper's new book on populism where he talks about, um, you know, free trade. We we on the right said free trade was perfect good. And, mm -hmm. and it is in theory. Mm -hmm. But he said what Trump understood that most conservative politicians did not was it displaced an awful lot of ordinary voters. Right. And those people were never properly dealt with. Right by the people, the the proponents of free trade. So it's all of these things. It's climate change, it's free trade, it's it, 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 it's immigration and a whole bunch of other issues mm -hmm. where there's these, as you say, people like butts who want to keep the lid on things because if they let the lid off, if they acknowledge that they might not be 100% right, then they lose the political agenda. You know, you, you remind me of a story we covered the other day. I don't know if you caught it. It was a leak of the Ontario caucus of the federal liberals to the CBC. Now, normally when the Liberal Party leaks something to the CBC, <laughs> yeah. they want it to get out. But this felt like a real leak. And I say that, Lauren, because of what was in it. This was a lengthy survey of Ontario Liberal MPs. Yep. And they said, hey, uh, can we stop talking about how great this carbon tax is? And, and they said that for them, it wasn't even in the top uh, list of issues to campaign on. I think it was number seven. Right. I'm going from memory. Climate change numbers. Yeah, it was low down. And, and they said the number one issue that people would spontaneously raise with them yeah. was actually immigration. So that goes to your point, is that if we all if we're all constantly told 97 percent of people, scientists agree, everyone agrees, there's no debate. Oh, well, I guess I better go along with it. But as soon as people say, oh, someone else doesn't agree and there's someone else and a whole election and a premier, then we can start to say, yeah, the emperor has no clothes. We're, we're very social creatures. There's the madness of crowds. Everybody's going this way. I better go with them. If, if dissent breaks out, there's no telling where it'll lead. <laughs> well, there, and there, there still is a, a, an, an inherent respect for institutions. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been a skeptic so long that I don't have much respect left for right, left, center, doesn't matter what it is. I'm always dubious of, of whatever people who are in charge try and tell me. But there are still a lot of people who say, well, you know, if scientists think that this is a real problem, maybe we should listen. I don't have have time to investigate it on my own. Mm -hmm. So, well, I best trust the people who make a living out of doing mm -hmm. it. And, uh, and that's how it happens. It's, 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 it's certainly there's some herd mentality involved in it. There's, there's, you know, the safety in numbers thing as well, but there's also this idea, well, you know, I'm working so hard. I'm trying to take care of the kids. We're keeping the house going. We're planning our holiday. We've got soccer to get to, got to get dinner on the table. If the people who make a living or spend their lives examining this, say that there's a problem with the climate, geez, I better believe them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and that's why it's disappointing sometimes when leaders, political leaders who do know better, 
who have the time to investigate say, well, I'm worried about being name called. I'm worried about being put on the uncool list. I'm right. worried about yeah, being yeah. marginalized. So, yeah, yeah. I will, so I will knowingly right. go along with it just to avoid the hassle of it. That, that's yeah. a different, like if a severely normal person who has to trust someone because they're a real person, I get it. But if you're supposed to be a public yeah. policy expert, a researcher, a political mm -hmm. leader, there's no excuse for you other than cowardice. Now, maybe discretion is the better part of valor, but these days, we need, especially in Alberta, which has suffered so much from this mania, we need people to stand up. Now, Jason Kenney, you know, repeal the carbon tax. I don't care what your rationale is. That's happening. But I do yep. think that we need conservatives to challenge the science. It's hard to do, but I think once one person does it, others will, will follow. Last word to you, Lauren. Do you, think, do you think that the carbon tax will be repealed in Canada the same way it actually was repealed a few years back in Australia? I think if the Conservatives win, it'll be repealed. Uh, I am not yet uh, so confident of Andrew Scheer as a master campaigner mm -hmm. that uh, that I think he's going to defeat Justin Trudeau in October. But if if he wins and if he pushes hard enough on this, mm -hmm. he could win. Yeah. Uh, it, the Australian Liberal National Coalition, which is their right of center mm -hmm. uh, party, wasn't expected to win. Nobody predicted right. them to win. The right. talking heads and the pollsters all had Labour winning. And they had as their number one issue the, the prevention of, an, of the return of the carbon tax, and they won. Yeah. So I think Shear can just hammer on that and hammer on that and hammer on a couple of other things, and he might win yeah. uh, a I'm surprising victory. You know, but you're right to be nervous about him, either his campaigning skills and also because he was Speaker of the House for almost 10 years, he's a compromiser by nature, a fight avoider by nature. I'm nervous about it, but although I have my disagreements with him, he would be a vast improvement over Trudeau, and I think it's, yeah. it's incredibly important he's, that he wins. He's a nice guy. He's a smart guy. I'm not sure he's got the royal jelly. That That's my concern. Well, this at this point, anyone but Trudeau. Well, I don't want to say yeah. anyone because then you have Jenny Singer, Elizabeth. Remote-controlled traffic cone. <laughs> Lauren, great to see you again. Thanks very much. Okay, you bet. Okay, there you go. Our friend Lauren Gunter, senior columnist at the Edmonton Sun. He's got some great columns going on these days. He's got one on this very subject and Catherine McKenna, and he also has one on the Philippines' garbage uh, fiasco. Stay with us. My final comments are next. Hey, welcome back on my interview with fellow McAleer, Peter writes, I have the Gosnell DVD and I love it. I'm on the edge of tears all the way through because I know the story and how it ends. God bless you, fellow. You are a force for good in an age of deception. Truth becomes revolutionary. I really like fellow because he doesn't recoil from controversy. He runs to it. And I think if we all did that, we'd be a lot more successful. I think the left uh, is used to people cowering and caving in. They don't really know what to do about a guy like Fellum, who not only fights back, but tries to turn their attacks on him into an opportunity. I think if he does it right, and he's done it right in the past, he can turn this censorship by this theater into more PR. I mean, nothing sells a play like the fact that it's being banned. We're going to send our reporter, Keen Bexley, down there, so we'll show you what it's like. Nathan writes, you might find that the doctrine of repeal all acts of a legislature 
is actually precedented in more modern times than the ancient Romans. The Recissory Act of 1661. I believe that this is what Kenny should do. Also, there should be a referendum as to whether Notley gets a premier's portrait as well. You know what, Nathan? I did not know about the Recissory Act. I just, I didn't go deep into it, but I looked on Wikipedia. And you're right, I didn't know that, that in Scotland, a new parliament came and said those last eight years, that was all illegal. They were drunk, I think was the allegation. They were pretenders, they were illegitimate. So they just rescinded everything for eight years. I'm going from memory. So I did not know that. So the uh, Roman concept of damnatio memoriae, of literally destroying every statue, scraping off every painting, undoing every law. Well, the 1660s, that's a lot more recent, isn't it? On my monologue yesterday about, oh, let me just say before I go on the next one, I disagree with you on the portrait. Her portrait should be on the wall because you don't want to forget. People forgot what the NDP is like. That's why they voted for them. You need a picture of Rachel Notley and every school child who walks by it must be told the story. On my monologue yesterday about freedom gas, Phil writes, Spasiva for the Rusiski lessons and the many laughs last night. My friends, uh, James writes, from a comedic point of view, they're right. Molecules of freedom, freedom gas, it's absurdly funny. Fight the left on something else. They're right about this one. Well, I mean, look, freedom molecules, it doesn't, it doesn't come off the tongue easily. I remember when France was doing something and some American congressman wanted to rename French fries, freedom fries. It feels forced. But you know, I wrote, I wrote a, remember I wrote a book on this 10 years ago called Ethical Oil. To me, that doesn't feel forced. Ethical energy. It doesn't feel forced. In fact, it's got a sort of a sonorousness to it. Freedom molecules, molecules. No one uses the word molecule other than like a chemist. But ethical oil, ethical gas, ethical. I like ethical because it says more than just freedom. Give me a second on this. My ethical oil thesis was that Canadian oil, and this would apply to American oil too, is better in four ways. And it's not just about freedom. Here's how I say it. Number one, it's environmentally responsible. Uh, responsible. Number two, it's um, economic justice. We actually pay people appropriately. It's conflict-free. We don't have terrorism or wars over it. And number one, it respects, uh, number four, it respects human rights, civil rights. We don't throw religious minorities in prison. We don't throw gays in prison like they do in OPEC countries. So I disagree with freedom molecules because it sounds goofy. And also freedom doesn't properly encompass environmental responsibility, peace, the treatment of workers and human rights. But I think rebranding energy with those four positive attributes, or just call it ethical, I think that is a good idea. I'm glad Trump's doing it. And the fact that Russia hates it it's proof we're doing the right thing. All right, folks, that's all we have for this week. I had a great week with you. Thank you for being with us. Um, looking forward to next week. There's so much news these days, isn't there? Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom.